Chapter Twenty Five of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five Unto Us a Son is Born. The minister glanced doubtfully from one to the other of the two women, whose faces had instantly resumed the masks habitually worn before men. Mrs. Pettibone smiled faintly at her husband. I was holding the baby, she explained. I didn't realise how late it was. Your wife, Mrs. Hill said dryly, appears fond of children. Hmm, murmured Mr. Pettibone, passing his hand over his chin. For a moment all three were silent. The infant struggled feebly in its wrappings with half-strangled cries. You had better give it to me, Mrs. Hill said impassively. She rose from her chair and crossed the room. Mrs. Pettibone gazed at her imploringly, sheltering the baby with her arms. The minister, who had been consulting his watch, snapped its old-fashioned hunting case shut with suggestive emphasis. "'Come, my dear,' he said, with attempted jocularity. "'You mustn't try to keep a baby from its grandmother, you know.' Mrs. Hill straightened herself with a jerk, her angry eyes denying his words. "'Silas!' He turned at the sound of his wife's voice, doubtfully interpreting its passion of entreaty. "'We really oughtn't to stay longer,' he said. "'Mrs. Hill is, perhaps. Come and look at the baby,' she urged. He obeyed, gazing down at the small, pink, twisting face, with a quasi-professional air of interest. "'Ah,' he murmured, "'a fine child. A boy or girl?' "'He's a boy, Silas.' Mrs. Pettibone replied, looking up at him piteously. "'Will you let me—' "'Oh, Silas, Mrs. Hill is obliged to go away at once to search for her daughter. She wants to leave the baby, and I—' "'Oh, Silas—' "'Impossible,' broke in Mrs. Hill's harsh monotone. "'I've changed my mind. I shall take the child with me.' "'You don't want it!' You don't love it. You're wishing it would die. Philura Pettibone's voice rang out in a shrill crescendo. She stared accusingly at the other woman. You would soon kill it with hatred and neglect. My dear Philura, expostulated the minister, shocked and incredulous. Surely you do not mean... He gazed attentively at his wife the tardy realisation that he had never known her slowly taking possession of him. Mrs. Hill laughed mirthlessly. "'You make me little better than a murderer!' she exclaimed contemptuously. "'I assure you, I couldn't have taken better care of the child if it had been—' She bit her lip sharply. "'Oh, you will let me have the baby,' begged the minister's wife, suddenly abandoning her threatening tone. "'I must have it. I must. You know it'll only be a hindrance to you. How can you travel? And your son? You must think of him, you know. Mrs. Hill glanced stealthily at the minister, who had moved toward the door, his grave face perplexed and frowning. How do you like the idea of adding a misbegotten child to your family? she asked jeeringly. Clergymen are always preaching charity and goodwill but I've never known one who practised it. It is true. 
i do not want the child god knows i have small cause for loving it but i should not kill it with either kindness or neglect then i shall have him philura pettibone rose from her chair her face pale and luminous like that of a woman newly emerged from the valley of the shadow into which every mother must needs descend without further word she slowly passed out of the room bearing the child in her arms the two who were left behind heard the light sound of her feet upon the gravel and the cries of the child growing fainter with distance i will pay liberally for its keep of course should you consent to the arrangement mrs hill said haughtily i must explain further that i requested your wife to recommend to me some honest farmer's wife i did intend to leave the child it is nothing to me mr pettibone gazed at her with stern rebuke you are a sinful woman he pronounced slowly without love a child is also without hope in the world we will take him and endeavour to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the lord oh, but i must insist upon paying you i am rich the minister repelled her with a gesture of dignified authority your money perish with you he exclaimed with a severity before which the woman shrank as from the sharp cut of a whip milly orne returning from the village with anxious haste met the minister's carriage at the bend of the road at the sight of its occupants she stopped short her eyes fastened upon the baby in mrs pettibone's arms oh she cried sharply you've been there you the minister pulled up the impatient horse yes he began doubtfully perhaps we've acted unwisely but he glanced at his wife's pale face i've taken him for my own she said simply and her smile was sublime milly shook her head compassionately he has cried almost constantly for several days she said i'm afraid and you were there murmured mrs pettibone accusingly she locked the door returned milly her blue eyes filling with tears i indeed i could do nothing but i am glad you are taking him away left to herself the girl's feet moved more and more slowly along the road she appeared to be debating some doubtful question with herself arrived at length before the stately gate-post which marked a former pride of ownership she paused to look half fearfully at the clustered chimneys of the old house gravely withdrawn behind its ancient trees the woman whom she had grown to fear and distrust almost to hate in these the last days of her service was there alone she knew already she had decided that she could not pass another night under that roof but there was something she must say to mrs hill before they parted as mistress and maid she found the woman in the little room off the kitchen engaged in packing the small belongings of the baby in a flat parcel she glanced up sharply at the sound of milly's step did you send the message she asked milly nodded her eyes following the swift movements of the large pale hands i'm packing these things explained mrs hill and tomorrow you're to take them to the village i've arranged with the clergyman's wife to care for the child she's one of those silly creatures who pretend to adore children the girl stood silent 
her hands hanging at her side. Mrs. Hill noted her attitude with one of her darting glances. "'Why do you stand there like that?' she demanded. "'Take off your hat. Get me some tea at once. It's late.' Milly lifted her eyes to the clock, which was now on the stroke of six. "'I am I'm going now,' she said in a low, half-frightened voice. "'You will not need me.' "'Going?' echoed Mrs. Hill sharply. "'Indeed you are not. I shall need you for several days yet. Do you think I shall have nothing to do? There's the packing.' "'I'm going now,' repeated Milly doggedly. "'I shall not stay here any longer.' The woman stared at her angrily. "'Take off your hat at once,' she ordered, stamping her foot. "'There's something I must tell you before I go. "'You may like to hear it,' Milly said in her determined voice. She paused, perhaps to choose her words with care, but when she finally spoke, it was as though she had loaded a gun with hard, merciless phrases and fired them at a target with swift precision. "'I know what became of your daughter. "'She went away with a man. "'I saw him.' "'You... you saw?' "'What do you mean?' Mrs. Hill sank limply into a chair, as if the words had actually penetrated her large breast, inflicting mortal injury. She stared up at the girl with something like entreaty in her dull eyes. "'I was at the front of the house, sweeping the passage,' Milly went on. "'You were dressing the baby, and all the doors were shut between, as you told me. "'Yes, yes, go on.' "'A man?' driving a light buggy, came up the road. He spoke to me, asked me if a family named Hill lived in the house. I told him yes, and asked if I should call you, and just then a shutter in the room up above was thrown open, and the man looked up, and your daughter was leaning across the sill. She didn't speak at first, just looked. He held out his arms to her. I found you at last, he said. "'Well,' commented the woman hoarsely, "'what then?' "'I suppose she must have gone away with him,' Milly said, lowering her eyes. "'You suppose? Don't you know?' "'I came in directly. I didn't like to look after that.' "'Why didn't you tell me?' Milly looked at her mistress defiantly. She did not answer. "'If you told me, perhaps—' Milly moved toward the back door. On the threshold she paused to glance back. The woman was sitting motionless, a small folded garment in her lap, her eyes staring straight before her into vacancy. End of chapter 25